This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and thankfully joining me again this week is Christy. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me back. I'm glad you're here because Matt couldn't make it tonight, and uh, it's really not a joy for the listeners just to hear me. So I'm glad you're here and uh, bringing your high level of expertise. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me back. All right. Well, we are back, and we did have a week off last week, and I feel like we should rename the show. And I talked with my wife about it, and she was channeling her snarky side, I think, because she said that she thinks we could should call it EdTech every once in a while. <laughs> well, let's try and do EdTech Weekly, see if we can keep up with the weekly. Yeah, I mean, just because it's named weekly doesn't mean it has to be weekly, but it sort of implies it. So I think I just have to do a better job of making sure we have at least a show. And if it's just me... Well, listen, you'll just have to suffer a little bit, but at least it'll be out weekly. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Our listeners suffering sounds good to you, Christy? <laughs> no, they're, I don't think they're suffering. I think we have many listeners who are happy, whether it's just you or anyone. So Nice, nice recovery. All right, let's get to our first story. This is an Ed Surge article, and it's about Newzella, which is basically a news site that try to le- tries to level reading. Um, And they've sort of gotten into the education sphere lately. And this article explains that they're launching a library feature. Uh, It's going to add things like biographies to their service. And we did talk about this on the show way back in episode 25. This is now episode 48. So that was quite a while ago. But um, we talked about how they're doing that leveling and trying to help younger students improve their reading. Uh, And it seems like a play to me just to get more into the education space um, than they already are. They've added things like primary sources and speeches, biographies, and something called Time Machine. Um, There's some ways to search for content by grade level. Um, I know there's also ways to do for reading standards. And you can sign up for a free account. Um, I'm not really sure how it all works because I do have an issue when I click on how to sign up your students. It takes me to a page that says page not found. I'm not really sure that's best for them. But uh, Christy, have you had any experience with Newzella? Do you know what it does, how it works? Yeah, I've used it. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering if I learned about it from episode 25. And then oh, wouldn't that be just oh. awesome if that was the case? Yeah, let's just say that that is what happened. Nice. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Revisionist I, I, history. I've seen, I've seen it used. I've seen several teachers use it and, you know, having that ability to level it um, based on Lexile level, even though it's the same article and content. So your whole class can be reading it, the same topic, but all students can access it. Um, that's a, a pretty neat feature. Um, now, I am I'm also impressed that they're adding many more things, the primary sources. You know, that's a big thing with out here in California, the California State Standards is using that nonfiction text in primary sources. So I'm sure maybe that could be a reason why they're adding that in. Yeah, I mean, primary sources, obviously, um, and social studies courses especially are are becoming very huge. Not that they weren't before, but just that they're making sure that it's included in the curriculum. So, yeah, I mean, I think quite honestly, they're just positioning themselves even further into the ed tech space. Now, since some of your teachers use it, do you know, um, is it like a freemium type model? Do people have to pay for more features or is there a rate for students or how does it work? No, I think I've only used it as free, but I just had a thought. I'm not sure you can change the Lexile level on a primary source. (laughs) 
No, no, no. Yeah, I would assume that that wouldn't be possible, no. I mean, I guess you could, but it would not be a primary source anymore at that point once you change the level. At that point, they're just primary sources. Yeah, and I, when I looked in some of the uh, speeches, biographies, and things like that, I noticed for different grade levels, different ones came up. But yeah, when you get into historical documents, you really can't level those so much. But hopefully they level you up to the point of where you can read those successfully. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Right. Um, I did your... mention just the link to Google Classroom. I know that you can link uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, your the articles. You can essentially assign them to students really easily if you use Google Classroom. So I thought that was a really nice feature and a way to integrate you know, your Google, Google Classroom with the New Zealand. Very cool. So, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for you, edtechweeklyshow.com. Um, but, again, that just is something that allows you to uh, more easily use it with Google Classroom. Yeah. Right? Perfect. Yeah, you can just assign your article to students and then they just read it. So you don't have to print it out or you know, email it, just, just assign it. So very cool. If you use Google Classroom, um, or even if you don't, check out Newzella. Uh, it's free, at least on some levels. And it looks to me like um, as long as you can sign up your students, that could be a pretty cool scenario. So let's get to our next story. And we delve into a Business World article, which is a little unusual for EdTech Weekly. It's a little more heady than we're used to. But this one talks about the rise of EdTech in India. And it explains that now out of one out of every five startups funded funded excuse me in india is an ed tech company and if you follow the show at all you know that this is something that continues to pop up ed tech in india is a huge force uh in the ed tech space in general in the world as well but definitely huge in india as well um the article goes into depth about some of the difficulties with making money in ed tech and if you know if you think about it it's not really a quick results satisfaction type industry you know it takes a while to build a relationship and results sometimes take a while too because i mean um, quite honestly, most results but right now are based out of standardized tests and those happen a couple times throughout the year, but to get those results and, and to sort of see how that works with whatever piece of ed tech they're selling, not exactly a quick road. And the other problem that they have too is when they use this freemium model where you get a, fr amount, a certain amount of things for free, but they're trying to push you to the more, more robust paid features, um, only about two to three percent of users are being converted to those in the ed tech space, so it really does prevent a lot of problem or present a lot of problems. And that and I think it just really reflects what's going on in education in general. And that's that there's no quick fixes uh, for a lot of the problems, and it's also money is just not easy to come by. Um, or anything in this article that you thought to be particularly interesting, Christy? Well, I thought the amount of money, um, one quote they have here is they expect it to double from 20 billion to 40 billion. By yeah, that's a B, billion, yeah. yeah. yeah billion. By 2017, which is not that far away. And so, Ricky, I'm wondering, how do we get in on that? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people wonder that when they hear something like this. Um, you know, like we said, though, there are a lot of problems with it. And a lot of that money is coming from investors. And that's one of the reasons why it's valued so high. Um, it's not necessarily companies bringing in 20 to $40 billion, but more like what the estimated worth and what people are willing to invest in the companies are. So, I, I, you know, I think it sounds really great. But when you think about some of the problems, and since we both are in the education industry or in the education sector, I should say, um, we know that there are really no easy ways for this to happen, but I think we should maybe try to come up with a plan. I mean, 20 well, billion, it seems like even if we got like a 1% of that, we could be doing pretty well. Yeah. I think sponsorship, let's find a sponsor, you know, 
anyone in should India we, and... I was going to say should we reach out to India because I know we have at least two or three people who have listened to the show in India maybe if you know anyone who would <laughs> like to invest some of this 20 billion in our show we could really beef it up I mean we could do some great things I think if we had that kind of money I'd probably hire real talent to do the show hey what are you saying about me <laughs> No, I'm talking about me. No, you'd still be in the show. I'm saying myself. I would replace myself. <laughs> the new leader of the EdTech show would be somebody with talent. That's all I'm saying if I had that much money. <laughs> you could upgrade your recording equipment. Oh, easy, easy. That's <laughs> that's an open wound still. I wasn't going to share that with the listeners, but I guess we'll have to now because I had some technical issues. I had a power issue and we lost the recording. Christy was gracious and came on the show and did the whole thing. And then I had nothing shortly after we finished. So, and those of you who listen to the show know that this has happened to me once before. So this is not something that I'm very proud of. And uh, I'm going to have to beef up the system. So again, India, please send me uh, some of those billions and we can get that taken care of. We can have all the backups in the world. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's get to let's get to our last <laughs> let's get to our last story and this is um an ed surge interview of alan november and he is an ed tech consultant and commentator and he had mentioned some things about you know ed tech sort of being a disaster recently and so ed surge on air podcast got him and uh it's definitely a cool uh, interview and i suggest that you listen to that show i will put a link to their podcast in our show notes as well at edtechweeklyshow.com but there's a few excerpts in the article that we're talking about from ed surge here and i figured this would be a good opportunity to just have a little bit of discussion about some of his ideas and thoughts. I think they're pretty interesting, and this can be also sort of our featured segment for the show today. Um, Again, there's some really great answers and conversation starters here. So let's get with the first question, and it asks us, uh, they ask him why he thought the ed tech industry had created a mess. And essentially he explains the basics of technology in, in, you know, the workplace and how it generally is used to improve productivity of workers. And his assertion is that in ed tech, it has not done this. He argues that it has actually decreased productivity for teachers. I think that he is referring to just how how much time people are spending or how much time teachers are spending to try to figure out how to use this um, ed tech. And it's sort of taking away from their pr- productivity, I believe, is what his assertions are. Uh, what do you think about this as somebody who oversees a district and curriculum and things and sort of gets to work with teachers or at least implement some ed tech plans in the school system. Do you think this is accurate? Do you think it's decreasing productivity from where you stand? Well, you know, I don't know about decreasing or maybe just changing. You know, there's certainly a, a lot to learn. And anytime you, you know, a new app or any anything new takes a while to learn. So I could see that that is slowing things down. But the hope is to then speed up later. Um, you know, and I really also wonder, you know, what does he mean by productivity? I think we measure things differently in the education world than it maybe, you know, it's certainly not like the business world productivity. And yeah, no, you're, I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, I think, you know, using terms like productivity is difficult when you talk about teachers because they're not just, you know, creating a widget and therefore they can create a hundred more of them using technology. So it's increased their productivity. I mean, the same reason we just talked about educational technology being such a difficult space and it takes a while to really see exactly how these changes are affecting the students. I mean, we may not be able to really even tell by year to year data. This may be something that 
over the next 15, 20 years, we start to see how, what's happening. Um, so it's a, it's a really difficult thing to measure. And I think you're right. Using the w- a word like productivity is, is kind of tough. I mean, I guess if you're, if you're using it in terms of teachers, just not just spending more time doing things they sh- don't really need to be doing, maybe that's true. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like technology can do both. It can help you be more productive, but can also catch people in a position where they're just spending too much time trying to understand what they're using now that it, it does take away from the time that they could be spending with the students. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to think of one example right now of like how technology can help teachers with productivity. I think of like a resource like turnitin.com where students just email in and while you still need to grade an essay, if the computer can do a preliminary read, you know, that would save time. And so, you know, you didn't have to check for spelling and grammar. And so you're looking at content. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. We use turn it in at USF St. Pete and, um, it, it, it's a good way for you to know if somebody's cheating or if they're using somebody else's. So yeah, it takes some of the guesswork out for teachers and you're not spending as much time. I think in terms of productivity, this is, I think what you just mentioned says that productivity has increased because you can grade more easily. You can communicate more easily. Um, those things that, you know, weren't, easily done even reading papers like you said you can get that head start with some of those things with like turn it in so i think the individual pieces of ed tech themselves can help teachers but on a global perspective what is ed tech doing for education maybe overall not helping i I don't know i'm not really sure how deep he's going into that but he also mentions about processes have to change and you know, we've talked about this, I think, even in your short reign on the show. Um, you get to a point of where, what are you using the technology for? Uh, is it this, are you doing the same exact thing you did without that piece of technology? Um, I use that concept of smart boards in the classroom because our district was pushing to get those in there. Well, if you're just using that smart board to show the same video you were showing with a projector, then your processes aren't changing with this technology and it's rendering that technology ineffective. So I guess the question is, do we think that technology in general is helping to change processes right now or is it just helping to do the same things that are already being done? Well, I see technology as truly the ability to transform the teaching and learning process. Um, and I really think about two student outcomes of personalized learning and student engagement. So for me, that's what I'm trying to get at as we roll out our one-to-one program and use more technology. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Just showing a video on a smart board, that's, you're not transforming the learning process. There's, there's nothing different. Uh, the model we're using here uh, is SAMR, which stands for, well, it's an acronym, S-A-M-R. And it's really levels of technology integration. That first level. Can I interrupt you really quickly? I just wanted to mention that I have heard of that before. Okay. Um, It it may have been just, you know, an hour ago when we recorded the show that didn't work, but I, I feel like I deserve kudos for having heard of that before. So continue. So glad you've heard of it. Yeah. What do you think of it? Well, from what I've heard, I really like (laughs) it, but I think you should tell more to our listeners. (laughs) All right, so Samurai, um, if you just do a quick YouTube search of SAMR, you know, SAMR model, it starts with that first level of 
S is substitution. So you're simply substituting a technology tool for something in the classroom. So instead of writing your essay on paper, you're writing it, uh, you know, using a Word doc. And so it goes up to the next level of augmentation, then redefinition, and I'm oh, sorry, SA <laughs> modification. M -M. I believe it's, uh, yeah. I think yeah. it's SAMR. I, I I have heard of it before. No, I'm just Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> so that, that top level of redefinition of a task previously inconceivable that you could not do without technology. So instead of just writing the essay, you know, you're turning it into a blog post and you're collaborating with someone from around the world. And then maybe you make your own podcast about it, um, working collaboratively with others. So something that there's no way you could have done that without the use of technology. So, you know, there's definitely a time for each level, you know, and, you know, learning how to type a Word document, you know, just that first level substitution that is important, but we want to get to those higher levels of tech integration and really transforming the learning process. You know, I like it even more this time that I heard it. I, I really do. I think it's a, when you really think about ed tech and what we're talking about with some of the issues, I think that, particular thing, Samer, really helps you kind of get into how do we make it actually transformative and actually doing good things for education. Um, when One of the things he talks about is uh, the $1,000 pencil, and that's what he calls, you know, basically computers that are just used for standardized testing. And I saw a lot of this when I was at a school where we're just continuing to up our computer labs but only for the purpose of being able to test students. Um, teachers could get into them, and some of us did, but it, the main focus of these things, especially for about three or four months of the school year, was just testing. So, you know, that to me, if I'm understanding this right, would be the S part of SAMR, right? So you're just substituting something. You normally take a test with a pencil, but now you're taking it with a computer. So I think in general money is being dumped into that and that's something that he mentions a couple times in this interview alan that just we're just dumping money into technology for testing so i think if people can be aware of the samr model like you just talked about and and, and be thinking about that like you're right it's not wrong to start with that perhaps having testing to substitute to make it easier to test people but just settling for that alone is not going to ch be transformative or change education at all. It's just the same process. Yeah. So yeah, no, I really, I think I got more out of it this time. So I'm glad technology didn't work and made <laughs> us record it again. Gave me a second chance of explaining it. Well, I think you did a great job the first time, although there is no proof of that because the recording <laughs> is not, is not, we can't find the recording. It's not available. So we'll just say you did a better job, but you probably did just as awesome a job the first time. Um, I did want to share um, one, two more things, actually. He references a study that says that countries who invested the most in technology test scores went down the most. Uh, that's a frightening prospect for me, although I think it does say something for if you're just going willy-nilly and dumping money into something, it's not going to work. And if you're the one, if you're the country who's invested the most money in technology at this point, it's probably because you're just dumping money in to make it happen. Yeah, you know, I is think the key thing is still a, a great teacher. And I think relationships are the most important thing in a classroom. So if you don't have or you don't invest in great teachers and you just put a computer in there, that's not going to change anything. But if you have a great teacher who forms relationships with students and you add technology and they're innovative and allowed to be creative, 
I mean, wow, you can do amazing things. Yeah. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it always comes down to the teachers. I think you, um, you're going to get a, a good teacher is going to be a good teacher, whether they have a chalkboard or whether they have all the technology in the world and throwing money at a problem. I don't know how that fixes it in almost any industry. I mean, it's just throwing money at something is not going to fix any, any problem. So just, you know, haphazardly going into throwing money into something without really having a good process or plan or, or thinking about that SAMR model um, and trying to get to the, to the R trying to get, what's the R again? Redefinition. Redefinition. Trying to get to that point of where you're completely redefining how the process is done in order to help your students. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty much it. And I, you know, at the end of this, I just wanted to quote um, something here and I'll just cut this one a little bit short, but just imagine, this is a quote, uh, just imagine a whole group of examples where technology reveals more insight into what kids are thinking than without it. The making thinking visible part of this is very exciting. Teachers can get new insights. Kids can see other kids' questions. Uh, he talks about Socrates being saying that learning is social. I mean, I, I think if, if you're harnessing technology in that way, it's different than what we've had before, right? Because in, in a traditional classroom, you have um, several students sitting there not letting you know what they're thinking because they don't have to, because one person raises their hand or they don't, ha you know, or even if you get five students to talk about one topic, which would take a lot of time, if you're just asking them to say it, there's still 20, 25 students that aren't having a say or you're not knowing what they're thinking. So, I mean, if you can use technology and leverage that, I mean, it's a pretty exciting thing. And I think if teachers can focus on that type of thing rather than just, you know, all of the required things that we have to do, like the standardized testing, just try to find new ways to make learning social. And technology is a great way to do that. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, you know, I think we've invested a lot in technology because of the testing. Um but, you know, and I'm not sure that's really a bad thing because now we have more computers in our schools. Yeah. And I, I mean, you, you give me hope when you talk about the SAMR thing, because, you know, all I saw is just sort of substitution for technology uh, so often. And so if you have technology and you have the mindset to get it to those next steps, then it can still be used for good and, and really do great things. I, I still have a lot of concern for especially large school districts with that because changing the momentum and getting people on the same page with that is not an easy process. Definitely. So, all right, Chrissy. Well, look, you did a great job. I think the second time was either better or, or just equally as good as the first. And I apologize for the technical issues and hopefully they'll never happen again. But listen, I have a bad track record, so I'm not sure. I can't promise. It was good practice. That's so. right. It was like a nice run through of the show beforehand. Yeah. All right. Well, if you are interested in any of the show notes from today, that's edtechweeklyshow.com. And we'll put the links to the things that Chrissy talked about too for the Google Classroom. Um, also, you can follow me on Twitter at 4TechTeachers. And you can email the show. We are looking for other people who are going to step out there and be crazy like Christy did and decide she just wants to be a part of something. And we really appreciate that. Email the show edtechweekly at gmail.com so that, you know, next week, if other people can't make it, you don't just have to listen to me. We can have somebody else on the show. So go ahead and do that. It worked for Christy and she's awesome at this. So we appreciate it. Um, Christy, do you have anything for the lovely listeners of EdTech or any of the uh, Indian uh, EdTech companies who are willing to invest? 
you can send your sponsorship to. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Hold on. What? <laughs> you give all of that to at Christy M. Warren on Twitter. Just yeah, communicate through her. Christy M. Warren and the ha- one of my favorite hashtags. Kids deserve it. Check it out. Yes. Not EdTech Weekly. Hashtag EdTech Weekly deserves your money. But <laughs> hashtag kids deserve it. Let's see if we can get that Although, one. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't be a bad one either. We're gonna. Do you mind if I officially label you as the? Uh, well, what what is it? The the chief uh, sponsorship officer of EdTech Weekly. <laughs> the CSO. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's good or not, but yes, direct all of your sponsorship. If you if you're so excited to sponsor the show, please go to at Christy M Warren on Twitter. She will yeah, deal with all um, of that for us. I'll totally then send it to you ricky sure of course she will yes i mean why wouldn't you all right christy well i appreciate you being on the show and we hope we will see you here next week with all of our listeners on the edtech weekly show we'll see you next week on edtech weekly